0: Well, good morning. Uh, we're going to be starting our new sermon series today, which is pretty exciting. I hope you're as excited as I am. It's called Experience the Miracle. Experience the Miracle. You see there from the slide and the title of my sermon today, the kind of the first one out of the gate is The Miracle of the Moment. The Miracle of the Moments. And, you know, as I was thinking about moments, a moment is, life is made up of a bunch of moments, isn't it? Some, some funny, some sad. Some awkward, um, you know, and there's this kind of fad on social media, and some of you, and it's been going on for a while, but and some of you really like them, but they're these memes, right? Little pictures, some of you call them memes. I think the official pronunciation is memes. Um, These little pictures that capture just moments that we can all relate to that have some words on them to describe the moment usually somebody's facial expression or something like that so I found a couple that I thought would show you today to get us started so as we talk about the miracle of the moment here's here's a few moments about this one that awkward moment when you receive a Christmas card in the email but have no idea who they are (laughs) I have no idea what kind of face that is but somehow it's funny isn't it it's just weird It's weird, but probably a lot of us have done that. Somebody sends you a card, acts like they've known you your whole life, and um, you have no idea who they are. How about this one? That moment when you wish the family had stayed at a hotel. (laughs) Hopefully, Hopefully nobody feels that way this Christmas if you are hosting your family, but you probably will have some sort of face like that. All right, and then this one, hopefully we don't experience this either. That moment when you check your balance to pay bills after Christmas some of us can relate all too well to that Um, but hopefully those of you who've gone through fpu and dave ramsey people you're not gonna you're not gonna feel that way you won't be making that face because you're gonna have your budget you're gonna stick to your budget this christmas right everybody nod okay good so you're still awake all right and this one this one last one's one of my favorites that moment when a stranger talks to me about jesus i know him i know him (laughs) I know him. And hopefully we all get to experience this sometime. How cool would it be somebody to come up to you and talk to you about Jesus? Um, But, you know, none of these moments, uh, obviously, on these pictures are really all that miraculous. Today we're going to be talking about the miracle of the moment. And our whole series, really, this idea uh, that Christmas is truly a miracle. Now, if I were to ask if you've ever experienced a miracle, um, I'm sure many of you would, depending on your definition of what a miracle is, some of you might say no. And I want, to, I want to challenge our thinking with that by, by really looking at how we breathe. By the end of my sermon this morning, you will have inhaled and exhaled over 250 times. Because most of us don't give us breathing a second thought, um, let, let's just take a moment and, and consider the journey of an oxygen atom. The journey begins when air passes through your nose, where unwanted dust and debris is filtered out. The average person moves about 440 cubic feet of air per day through the nose and trachea and into the lungs. The surface area of your lungs is 40 times greater than the surface area of your body, compressed within the tiny space between your ribs. Once in the lungs, the oxygen atoms hitchhike with hemoglobin and travel throughout the entire human body via blood vessels. If those blood vessels were laid end-to-end, they would be approximately 100,000 miles long. That means the blood vessels in your body could wrap around the equator 4 times. At the end of its journey, the oxygen atom enters individual cells and then bonds with the food we eat and then releases energy. You know, Acts 17:25 says that God gives all men life and breath. In the book of Job, it says that if God were to withdraw his breath from humankind, we would return to dust. And the bottom line is this that every breath we take is a miracle. The average person takes approximately twenty three thousand breaths per day. that means you experience about twenty three thousand miracles every day just by breathing. We are surrounded by miracles, but we have a choice to make. we can live as if nothing is a miracle or if is you know so just as we kind of get so used to breathing, nobody's probably thinking until right now about your breathing, just as we become so used to that, we forget what a what a truly marvelous miracle it is I'm afraid sometimes we approach Christmas that same way. It comes around every year, we forget what a truly miraculous moment Christmas is, what, it, what it's about, what it celebrates, especially that first Christmas when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born. You know, for, for many, this happens for many different reasons. Uh, one of them is it's just so easy to get wrapped up, literally and figuratively, in this season, um, and just the activity that surrounds it. Sometimes it helps, it makes us miss the miracle of Christmas, and I, you know, I I'm, I love Christmas time. I you know love decorating the house and listening to music, the festivities, that sort of thing. Um, hopefully, some snow. Uh, you know, we'll cross our fingers. Um, but we must work very, very hard to not let those things distract us from the from the main thing. So we're going to spend the next few weeks kind of looking through the series at the miracle of Christmas, and today the the miracle of the moment, starting with that moment that Jesus was born, and then looking at a couple of other moments um, that are miracles in and of themselves. You know, our goal through this series really isn't just to have you enjoy the Christmas season, to celebrate it, but to really experience it. Experience it on a level maybe you never have before, deep down in your heart and your soul. So I, ho- I hope you're excited for us to get started. Um, we're going to look at a couple of verses today, really kind of camp out there, and just unpack these two verses out of Galatians 4. Um, so if you have your Bibles or your uh, phones, if you want to turn or scroll there, Galatians 4, 4, and 5 say this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons or daughters. In this verse, we see a couple of special moments, um, really beginning with this, the moment of incarnation, the moment of incarnation. You know, the word incarnation literally means to, to make flesh. So this is referring to the, the God becoming man, God becoming flesh through Jesus. And, and it's interesting to look at the incarnation through the kind of lens of timing, the, the timing of when, when it happened. You know, the, the, when the fullness of time had come, that, that's how that, that verse starts out in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Really, this, this is, means basically exactly what it says when in kind of the grand scale of human history, it was the appointed time for God to enter the world as a man. You know, timing is something that uh, is important to all of us. Um, it's really when you think about it, timing is really just the relationship between the moments, right? It's, it's how they work together and how it, everything fits together. And, and you can think of hundreds of examples, literally everything, I mean, from sports examples and how important and critical timing is, to music, uh, to when events are planned out, if we were to, you know, have different timing of when, when our services started in the morning or we started 20 minutes late, and I mean, just the domino of effect of everything else that that has an effect on. Um, very, very important. And the timing, now, now that we're from the perspective of looking back on the birth of Christ, the incarnation, 2,000 years removed from it, looking back on it, the timing was just perfect for a lot of different reasons. But we'll, just, we'll talk about a few of them here today. The historians will tell us that at that time that Jesus was, was born, that the Roman world was in this great kind of sense of expectation, this atmosphere of expectation waiting for a deliverer. The old religions were dying. The old philosophies were empty and powerless to change men's lives. Strange new mystery religions were invading the empire. Religion, Religious bankruptcy and spiritual hunger were everywhere. God was preparing the world for the arrival of his son. And also, throughout history, there's a lot of things. Some of you have probably heard these before, but, you know, the Roman Empire was in charge. And, and in a lot of ways, they obviously under the sovereign hand of God in control, but the things that they were able to do, they constructed roads that connected city to city, making travel much easier than it had ever been before. The world was at peace under Roman rule, which was very helpful for the time that Jesus was born. There was a common language with Latin and Greek being known across all of the empire, so communication was possible throughout, really, almost the entire world, which became very important with the spread of the um, the letters, Paul's letters, and then what we now know as the New Testament. You know, the Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah were completed at this time of, of Jesus' coming. And one, one other kind of cool thing that I hadn't really, I don't remember hearing about was um, in regards to the population of, of the world. So um, William Chris, uh, in one of his writings, he talks about how um, basically the Population Bureau estimates that 105 billion people have ever lived. So in the whole history of of mankind, 105 billion, uh, and only 2% of that 105 billion lived before Christ. So in the thousands of years before Christ, however, you know, you want to do all the dates and things like that, but in the thousands of years before Christ, only 2% of the world's total population had lived, 98% after. So one of the researchers just kind of as he's explaining that, says God's timing could not have been more perfect. Christ showed up just before the exponential explosion in the world's population. So, you know, all of those things could just be coincidence, which we know they're not. Um, God's sovereign plan, I mean, but they are miracles. Miracles of just this moment, the timing of this moment. Um, In in the verse, there's a couple of other things that uh, Paul talks about as he writes this letter to the Galatian church. He says that God sent forth his son born of woman, and we've already kind of talked about this incarnation. This is speaking directly to that. Jesus was born just like every other human being was born. Except for the fact it was a virgin birth, right? I mean, a miracle in and of itself. You know, he was also here born under the law. What, what, is, he, what is he saying that we've, we've talked a lot about the law in our series through Romans over the past few months. Um, but Jesus was born as a Jew to to a Jewish family. He was obligated to keep the law of Moses. He was under that, under the law. And as we know, he was able to keep that law perfectly, which was very important so that he could fulfill the law and be our perfect sacrifice. So he came just at the right moment, ultimately. Ultimately, it was, he came at the right moment because that was when God had planned for him to come. So why is it such a miracle? I think... It, it is sometimes hard to get our minds around how, how the creator of the universe, God Almighty, is 100% and, and kind of comes in the form of Jesus, his son, 100% God, 100% man. And, you know, we can wrestle with that and try to make our little finite brains make sense of it, but we can't completely. We can't completely, and that's okay. The Bible teaches that clearly, and we can trust it. And, and honestly, if we could understand it completely, then we wouldn't need God, right? We wouldn't need him. We would, we would be him. And while the birth of Jesus, this incarnation, um, God becoming man, is an important part of the miracle that we celebrate at Christmas, it's not the end of the story. The reason why Jesus came was just as important, and we saw this in the beginning of Genesis 4-5. Let, or, let's look at this. It's the moment of redemption. The moment of redemption. Redemption. We see this after he says he was God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, to redeem those. This was the purpose. This is a good time for us to remind ourselves of the real reason that, that Jesus came. He came to redeem us from our sins. And what does redeem mean? The word means to buy back, to buy back. You see, we were under the law, the verse says. The verse says we were under the law. We were held captive, held slave, and Jesus bought us back through his death on the cross. Luke 19.10 speaks directly to this. For the Son of Man, being Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Came to seek and save. This, this was Jesus' mission, the reason why he came to this earth. You know, we think about a mo- the moment of redemption, You're, You know, for those of you who have, have been in church and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, you think of the cross. And then that's, that's good. I, I think that really can capture that moment of redemption because at the cross, the wrath of God was, was the, that he rightly had towards sin was poured out and satisfied on Jesus and, and resulting in his death, in the death of him. You know, last week we talked about, kind of finished up the first section of Romans. Pastor John talked about Romans 5.6, read this verse. For a while we were still. Living. So we see here that, that idea of timing worked in again with this moment of redemption. At exactly the right moment, Jesus died for us. So ultimately, we what we have here is the big picture. The big picture is that humanity was held captive by sin and its curse. We were under the law until Jesus was able to come and redeem us, to buy us back from the, the clutches of sin by dying and raising from the dead three days later. And, and while through Jesus now we can experience victory and, and freedom um, in this world and, and over sin and death, we still, you know, the reality is we still live in a world that has the effects of sin all around us. And I think I would be remiss to just not acknowledge it, especially this time of year, that, um, you know, this, time, this is a, a, such a, Happy, joyful time of year. We get to sing songs, celebrate, that sort of thing. But for many of us in this room, um, we know that it's also a very difficult time of year, a very difficult thing. Um, You know, we're told that Christmas, especially for, you know, if you claim to be a Christ follower, is supposed to be this happy, happiest time of the year um, to be joyful and grateful, all these things. Um, But there is a lot of sadness. A lot of us are experiencing sadness and depression. And, you know, statistics really confirm this. They say that Christmas is the time of year that people experience a high degree an incidence of depression. Hospitals and police forces, you know, report a high incidence of suicide, attempted suicide. Psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health professionals report a significant increase in patients complaining about depression. One survey in North America reported that 45% of respondents dreaded the festive season. So, many of you, as the statistics say, are, are probably probably experiencing this. and I know you know I, even hearing some of the conversations this morning, a lot of you are going through difficult times. I'm um, just overhearing some things about loved ones being very sick, nearing death, maybe uh, maybe you have a relationship that you're going through with with a family member, a close one that's just it, the relationship is just broken. It's fractured somehow. you don't know how to how to fix it. It's just hard, or maybe the financial stress this time of year has you worried about how things are going to work out, how things are going to work out, and you're just, it can be very difficult this time of year, and I know for many of you, that's, that's where you are today, and while you really want, you want to experience the, the joy and, and the, the miracle of Christmas, it's just really hard, and I want to just take a moment to encourage you, um, you know, encourage you to take some time and reflect on the redeeming work of Christ in your life and really what Christ's redemption not only means for him to redeem you from your sins and save you that way, but to not just leave you in in a miserable state. Um, You know, the the most important presence that you will get this Christmas isn't the presence under the tree, but it's the presence of of Christ in your life uh, through the Holy Spirit. You know, when we really focus on the ramifications, the results of what the redemption of Christ looks like in our lives, it helps us keep that eternal perspective. And that's really important to remember, okay, this, this world, everything we see around us, all these things, maybe they're just horrible, tragic types of things, it's, it's all temporary. This is all tem- This isn't our home. We've got a greater purpose and mission to live for, a greater reward ahead of us. And that, that can help bring peace in the, in the calm in the midst of some of these storms. And another thing I would encourage you to do is just to, to not suffer alone. Not, don't suffer alone. If, if you're going through a difficult time, um, let us know here at the church. Let, let some of your church family know um, so we can figure out ways to help you, pray for you, pray with you, and, and go through that uh, this difficult season together. So we've seen that we have the moment of incarnation, Christ being born as a man, we have the moment of redemption. Our last miracle today, miracle moment is actually moments. It's actually moments because those two things, the incarnation and the redemption actually leads to this third moments in a sense because it, it enables us to have a relationship with Christ that leads to a, a lifetime of moments of blessing. The moments of blessing. We see this in the last part of our verses today, where it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Isn't it amazing that it's great, as it is, to be saved from, from eternal damnation and separation from God. I mean, that, that's pretty cool, but but the blessings don't end there. He doesn't just save us out of our horrible state and helpless state and just leave us. He, he welcomes us into his family. The result of that moment of redemption is now that we get to be adopted as sons and daughters of the King, of, of God Almighty. How cool is that? You know, I, I, we talk a lot about um, being a child of God, and you know, sometimes that's another thing that we kind of can can get so used to adoption, and this the whole idea of adoption is, is near and dear to um, my family, and uh, with our um, youngest child being adopted, and so we get lots of opportunities to talk about adoption. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, we were having a conversation, and and I was talking with a couple of elementary kids, and one of the one of the kids was explaining how he was adopted, and I was like, "Oh, really cool!" And we were talking about it, and he said he had uh, seen his, met his biological parents. He was probably third or fourth grade. Just met his biological parents this last summer for the very first time and kind of talking through that. And there was another kid um, that was upper elementary, kind of listening in. And, and, and so I was in there kind of encouraging him and being like, oh, that's really cool. How was it? Blah, blah, blah. And we're talking and then the other kid kind of comes in and you could tell he was thinking about it. And, and then he just goes, he kind of interjected into the conversation and goes, man, that's really sad. That's really sad. And, and it, you could tell, I knew what he meant by it. You could tell what he, he was meaning. Uh, but it kind of gave me the opportunity, a great chance to really kind of explain the gospel. And, you know, I kind of clunked my way through it a little bit with him. With but, you know, I could share that even though, yes, the circumstances that, that lead to adoption are often, you know, associated and very complicated and messy and broken, um, they're often associated with a lot of pain and hurt but that's just like we were before Christ came, before God sent his son to save us. We were spiritual orphans, and the story doesn't end there. And the beauty of the gospel is that God not only saves us from where we were, but he welcomes us into his family. And even though that is true, and I think if you are a follower of Christ, you probably believe that, I think sometimes in our practical day-to-day life, we live too much like orphans instead of God's beloved children. I think we forget that the result of Jesus' incarnation, of him coming to earth as a man, of his redemptive work on the cross, and his raising from the dead, those things enable us to, to not have to act like an orphan. And you may be thinking, well, I don't, I don't think I act like an orphan. Well, let's, let's think about this for just a second. What, what, are, what are some ways that we might act like spiritual orphans? Do we ever not trust God for the future? Do we ever feel scared and unwanted and let that kind of consume us? Do we, do we have to have to be in control all the time? Do we, do we have to hold the reins of our life? As I was driving into work or church this morning and, um, you know, it was, there was a song on the radio, some of you probably have heard it, uh, by 10th Avenue North called Control. And the chorus of the, I'm just going to read it to you, it always gets me, it got me more this morning as I'm thinking through some of these things, but it says this, God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me, somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me, somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control. And I think that that's just a great picture of us Realizing that that we have a loving heavenly Father that that wants that that wants to just pour out His blessings of love and peace and joy in our lives, and, and too often we we forget, you know. And I, I see this, you know, all, all all children kind of fight for control. That that's just come out of the womb fighting for control. And, but I can see it so much more, and that's kind of what. You know, I'm not an emotional guy, as most of you know, um, but it, it, when I think about our youngest son and, and just the adoption story there, I can see more, more so in him than any of our other kids, this fight, this, this scared, I gotta be in control of my surroundings because I don't know if somebody's gonna be out there for me that's gonna love me or that's gonna take care of me or, or gonna feed me, those sorts of things. Like, those things are ingrained in him. And, and so often, I think we, we act like that. We act like that. You know, And one of the greatest, um, my favorite adoption movies, um, most of you probably watched it um, this, this time of year. It seems to be a popular one, Elf. Um, and why are you laughing? As soon as I say Elf, um, you, I know him, I know him. You know, it's a great story. I don't even have to explain it because I'm sure all of you, you know, basically the human is adopted by elves. Then when he grows up, he needs to go to New York and try to find his biological father, right? And so he, the movie's all about him trying to figure out ways, coming up with just ridiculous ways to earn his father's affection, acceptance, love, and and so often, I think, in in probably very different ways than, than Elf went about it. But still ridiculous, all, all, the, all the same. We, we go through life and we're trying to, we, we feel unwanted. We, we feel like he, they're not gonna, he's not going to love us. So we, we try to do these ridiculous things in life. And I want to encourage you this morning to, to remember that, that Christ's redemptive work on the cross enables us to have this relationship with the Father where, where he is our Father. He's there. He is the perfect Father. And so I want to encourage you with that. And you know, when we talk about family, um, talk about being a part of God's family, uh, oftentimes the Bible talks about it in, with this idea around the idea of inheritance. Inheritance. And I think it's just so cool. Uh, of of the blessings of God. And, and, and they're too numerous to count. But what we don't just share in that as an outsider looking in, but as a beloved child, um, part of his, his family. You know, there is, is another important moment um, that, that isn't there. I didn't put a number four on there, but it doesn't mean it's any less important or any less of a miracle. But it's the moment of salvation, a miraculous moment as well. And, and I want to be clear as we, we talk about these things and as we walk through those two verses, that the moment of Jesus' incarnation and the moment of his redemption um, on the cross doesn't automatically ensure that we can experience the, the third moments of blessing. It just does. You know, we we talk a lot around here about how we we aren't all children of God. We we aren't born a child of God. We we are welcomed into His family through the gospel. We must believe the gospel. While we are all God's creation, we are not all God's children. And and really, the gospel is all about believing. Believing that Jesus was really who He said He was, that His death on the cross was was for a debt a sin debt that you were unable to pay by yourself, and that your sins can be redeemed. They can be bought back by Jesus and through his death and resurrection. And it's only then that we can experience the miracle of the moment of salvation when we pass from death to life. Romans 10 9 states this very clearly, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you know, all these other moments that we've talked about, you're kind of like, oh, that's cool, whatever, this Jesus guy. Um, if you've never experienced this moment of salvation, I would encourage you to, to take a moment today, before you leave today, and talk with somebody about that. And if nothing else, check that box on the back of your connection card, turn that in before you leave. We would love to talk with you as soon as possible, and, and just answer any questions, help lead you through that. Um, but that's an important decision, the most important decision that you could ever make. So we, we have the three moments from our Galatian passage, the moment of incarnation, the moment of redemption, the moments of blessing, and I wanted to kind of leave you today with, you know, I think we're at a really unique time of, of the year, unique time of the season. Last week was kind of a, you know, everybody, you know, came into church kind of in a turkey coma, you know, we're all like on kind of on the lull right after Thanksgiving, trying to get back in the swing of things for the holidays, and now it's December, we're, we're in full gear towards, towards Christmas. And as many of you know from experience that you can blink right now and wake up and it's going to be January 3rd. And and, and I don't want you to miss some of the, the miracle of Christmas. And we're going to do our best on here on Sundays to just kind of focus our attention and stuff. But there's going to be so many other distractions and things trying to battle for it. So I want to kind of leave you with with three just tips maybe for, for you uh, to um, maybe work into your life over these next few weeks. This is just such a a special, special time of year. When when you've got, you know, all these parties, Christmas parties, company parties, family parties, friends throwing things and things to buy and blah 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 blah. It just it's never ending. Um, Christmas concerts and all the all the the fun. And none of those things are bad and of themselves, but when you combine them all and you look at your calendar and you realize, wow, I'm going to be running from here to there like a chicken with my head cut off, and, and then it, it, you're going to miss part of the miracle of Christmas. So a few, f- just a few little things, and none of these are rocket science, and a lot of you, I think, probably do a good job at this. But for those who, who may need some more help, the first one is this. Focus more on giving than receiving. And you can write this on the back of your notes if you want, or just remember them or forget them. Focus more on giving than receiving. Sounds, sounds pretty simple. I, I, I think we, if we look for specific ways to be generous, that we're, we're sacrificing for the benefit of others, not for the benefit of ourselves, so we're, we're giving to somebody that can't give back to us, you know, we're not just swapping $50 presents with all the family or something like that, but, but a way that you can really be generous, generous with, with someone else and towards someone else. I think that's when we, we are most like Christ, when, when we're giving of ourselves, Above and beyond, sacrificially, expecting nothing in return and knowing. And in fact, a lot of times there, is, there will be nothing in return materialistically. So that's one way. Focus more on giving than receiving. And that, Another way is to, to take time um, to regularly talk about or read about the real reason for Christmas. And even specifically the reason why we celebrate Christmas. Maybe even the reason why it's a miracle. Sorry, that's not more concise for some of you to write down. But, but I, I think it's important, especially, you know, what, whether you're an individual, uh, maybe you're single, maybe you're parents, live, you know, you've got kids in the house, it's really important this time of year for us to disciple our, our children, um, to, to think ourselves about the why behind Christmas. We talked a little bit about that today, the purpose of Jesus' coming. But there, there are also a lot of great Advent resources. You know, the season of Advent that you hear talked about a lot. Um, it, it's the season of really kind of preparation, looking forward to Christmas and the birth of Christ. There's a lot of great resources at, a, resources at the Christian bookstore online that you got. Kind of I know some of you use that. And um, maybe I'll post a link on the, on the city for maybe some, some of you can add on to that post. If, if you have some great things where maybe you've walked through with your family, just guiding your children through some discussions related to this Christmas season and, and helping them kind of sift through all the noise. You know, there's, there's a lot of noise this time of year, you know, with all of the extra things involved with Christmas that our culture is kind of piled in. Um, we want, we want our kids to really understand what, what it really is all about. And then the last thing is really to put up some boundaries, Put up boundaries uh, uh, and don't be afraid to say no to some some of the good things in order to really focus on the best. And I know that's hard this time of year because like we talked about the calendar, just you, you say yes to a few different things and before you know it, you're double booked and going all over the place and And then it's Christmas and then New Year's comes and it's all of a sudden mid-January and you're like, where did the last six weeks go? It, it, can, it can happen. And part of that, it just is the natural flow of, you know, our lifestyles and things, but I want to encourage you to not, not let that happen by accident, not let that happen by accident, to be intentional about the things that you, you talk about as a family, the things that um, you, you, how you give as a family, how you're generous, and then even the, the, some of the things you have to say, say no to. I'm not telling you, you know, don't flake out on all your commitments that you've already made and don't show up for a bunch of stuff, but, but if there's things that come up, you weigh, that, weigh your priorities and, and, and make an intentional decision. So I'm excited to to spend the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, going through this, experiencing the miracle, and I hope we can all commit together to really experiencing the the miracle of Christmas in a deep way together. Let's pray. Um, Father God, we just are so grateful for your son Jesus, (coughs) for his sacrifice on the cross, um, and raising from the dead the the moment of salvation that we can experience, God. What a miracle it truly is that, that, that we can share in that and share in the blessings as, as your children. God, we thank you that, that Christmas comes once a year, that we can really focus on what happened there with Jesus being born in a manger. What an amazing, amazing truth. Help us to never forget it. Um, and thank you that we can celebrate it really each and every day of the year, not just Christmas time. God, be with us over these next few weeks and give us opportunities to, to share your love with others, to tell others about you and the real reason for this Christmas season. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.